This is the Thanks for Sharing podcast, the podcast where we explore all things recovery, healing, and relationship. Remember to subscribe and download episodes in the iTunes store, Google Play, or on the Podbean app. And while you're there, I'd love a review. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Thanks for Sharing. I'm your host, Jackie Pack. Today, I have a guest with me, and this is a guest I've talked on and off with about coming and being on an episode about a lot of different topics because this is somebody that I work with and can have some great conversations in between sessions. And so it's been talked about for multiple different topics, but she's coming on. Her name's Rachel Allen, and we are going to be talking about sexual health. But before we do that, let me introduce you a little bit to Rachel. So Rachel is also an LCSW, also a CSAT, also has her own podcast. If you want to plug that, go ahead and plug that. Uh, Yeah, so my podcast is Reality and Fiction, and I talk about uh, like fictional stories and characters and how they relate to things that we experience in real life, because I feel like fiction is a reflection of real life. And so sometimes it's easier to look at ourselves through that lens. And, and I've done multiple groups with Rachel, and we've shared clients before, like she works with one and I work with the other. And Rachel kind of has a reputation. She's kind of our resident nerd. And so <laughs> she that podcast really fits her personality and kind of the way she thinks. And she often comes up with some great analogies from fictional things to what's being talked about, whether it's in the group or whether it's in a couple sessions. So Check out that podcast over on iTunes. Where else is it at? It's on iTunes, Google Play. Uh, you can get it on Podbean. And uh, I'm trying to get it on Stitcher right now. So Okay, cool. So check that out. So now let's um, talk about Rachel and I have been having a couple of conversations. And so most likely just because sexual health, I think, can be a broad term, we'll probably do a couple of episodes to address everything we want to. Otherwise, we'll be here all day. Right. (laughs) And it's Friday and we both want to be able to start our weekend. So (laughs) yeah, sounds good. Yeah. I think with sexual health, it is a very like complex thing and it's very individualized, right? Mm -hmm. Like each person has a different arousal template and different things that they bring to the table. So you can't just say this is sexual health and make it very specific. Like I think that part of sexual health is saying like, let's take some of the rules out and mm-hmm. see where you can go and explore and be in a safe relational environment. Right. And let's talk for a minute about how that looks when we're talking to a male client about that or even a male sex addict client about that versus when we're talking to a partner or just a female client or, well, this might get us really long, but like a female sex addict. Maybe we'll do a whole episode on female sex addiction and sexual yeah. health. Yeah, probably a good idea. Um, Since we also are presenting, or we're going to be (laughs) putting it in, we're going to propose that we present that at this year's, or 2020's uh, symposium for ITAP. For me, um, I find that working with male clients and sexual health looks very different than working with females. Mm -hmm. Um, Mostly because I think societal constructs show, like, men are sexual, and men are allowed to be sexual, and they're allowed to kind of explore that and ask questions, or Mm -hmm. even, you know, whether they're able to ask questions or not, it's kind of there for them. And and our society has set that up, right? Like, most porn is made for men Mm -hmm. by men. Right. There's a very small margin of that that's made for women by women. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And even, it's funny because even looking at like lesbian porn is made by men. Like it's made right. to and, hit and a, a lot a of male, our male clients view that. Right. It's made to hit a male arousal template. Mm-hmm. And so like for me, a lot of my work with males is about like, let's kind of undo what the world has told you is okay and good. Normal. But normal. And let's find what is actually normal for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is some like other social shame in that depending on the population that you're working with, we tend to work with a lot of like conservative and religious background. Mm-hmm. And so you can have the dual information highways coming in from the social constructs where the church is saying super, super, super rigid things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then porn is not. Right. Their secret life was kind of the opposite of the rigid message they got in their religion. Yeah. But both are extremes and not, I, neither one of them are super relational. Mm -hmm. So we start, I start working with men about the relationship of sexual health and Mm -hmm. what that looks like. Like how do you connect um, sexually? I think for women, women tend to connect more intimately. They want to have that intimate Mm -hmm. connection. But in our society, we usually don't let women explore sexually. Right. I often say the messages that most women get as young girls growing up into womanhood is that we are supposed to be desirable, but we shouldn't have a desire because those are bad girls. Mm -hmm. And so I think that really creates uh, difficulty as women move into relationships that are going to be sexual and they're just supposed to be desired, but they haven't spent much time thinking about, or even um, they feel a certain stigma if we're asking them to think about their sexual desire and starting to own that. Mm -hmm. I think a perfect example of that in pop culture is Sandy from Greece. Okay. Yeah. Like Sandy is this virtuous, virginal, Mm -hmm. like there's even a song about how virginal Sandy Mm -hmm. is. And like, she doesn't really step into her own sexuality. Right. She becomes what Danny wants. Yes. And what his friends would admire. Yes. And so like, there's no, like the growth that we see and Sandy isn't really growth so much as her like shifting into what other people expect. Mm -hmm. And I think that that happens for a lot of women. Right. I think that, like, the question of, like, how do you do both or be both? And I think for me, specifically, like, with Greece, like, growing up, that was, I remember my aunt being like, this, like, this is women power. This is female sexuality. Like, she's taking her sexuality mm-hmm. back. And I was like, like, as an adult, I'm like, that's not what was happening Right, right. But I do think that we kind of get that with females. So with females, there is a lot more of like, okay, but what do you want? Mm-hmm. What do you like? What do you desire? Right. And that's harder. So I think oftentimes with our male clients, if they're married and they're married to one of these good girls, they, they turn to porn for novelty. They turn to porn for excitement, they turn to porn for things that they actually don't experience. And in porn, women like whatever's happening to them, right? That's kind of the depiction in porn, is that women just love whatever's happening. Well, and even if they don't, even if they're in pain, even if they don't like it, they still have to take it. Right. And and so I think, I mean, that's a whole other, right, where sex and anger and all of that stuff starts to fuse. But I think 
when we start talking to men just kind of about what they're looking at, even if, you know, we both typically, when we get somebody in as a new client, male sex addict, we will ask them like, what kind of porn are you looking at? You know, it's not uncommon for us to get just normal porn. Mm -hmm. And both you and I are like, what is that? (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Please define normal porn. (laughs) Right. And, and so even in your so-called normal porn, right? Just, um, a woman, male, female, male, female, whatever, having, yeah. Or just, I I have some men who would say normal porn and it's like naked women masturbating Mm -hmm. or in this act of, you know, seeing a woman in pleasure is what they're, they're seeking and, Mm -hmm. and what they really like. And I think when we start to look at and start to educate them and kind of walk them through the messages that on the one hand, they want a sexual partner. But on the other hand, they don't know how to partner in their relationship mm-hmm. because of some of our patriarchal constructs that we still have in the United States. Right. I mean, I think about like, because, you know, I have these conversations often with m- many people, but I-, I have experienced where like I will be talking about sexual health or like just in my regular life, like I'll be talking about like what healthy relationships look like. Mm-hmm. And I have had husbands actually say like don't teach her that don't tell Mm, her that mm -hmm. like there's some enjoyment in having the like sexual information or the sexual power of the relationship Mm -hmm. and her being kind of naive right and him being the guide in that Mm -hmm. I guess but that doesn't really allow for two fully developed fully functional individuals to show up Mm -hmm. and say this is what I like this is what I want this is who I want to be in this partnership. Right. And, I mean, I think that's ultimately what we're trying to get in sexual health Uh is two fully functional sexual beings bringing what they have vulnerably to the table. Right. Instead of there being some kind of power dynamic. And and I think, you know, I work with a lot of women who will even, as we're talking about this, they get really kind of this some anxiety and some angst about this portion of the work, really looking at what is their sexuality? How would it look if they owned their sexuality? Mm -hmm. What would that mean for them in their world, in their relationship? You know, um, like we're pushing on a lot of things for them when we're Mm -hmm. starting to ask women to start looking at her own sexuality. And sometimes I will say to them, like, look, I grew up, watching the same movies you grew up watching. And they haven't changed a whole lot. And I can remember some of the early movies that I saw that were, you know, maybe like some romance novels and just that feeling of being desired Mm -hmm. and how intoxicating that was for me as a teenager watching that on the big screen play Mm -hmm. out, right? And, And then I didn't have to do anything, right? So it was intoxicating and it was little risk for me Mm -hmm. or when I'm talking to these clients for them but it also keeps that sexuality undeveloped and immature Mm -hmm. and we ask the men to kind of take all of the power or control or risk that comes with that and I think when I talk to male clients one of the things or just males one of the things that that I hear often is they don't want to always be initiating it. Mm-hmm. They want, like one of the things that's most arousing to them is when their partner likes and enjoys sex. And that's what they're, that's some of what they're looking for is this isn't just 
me doing this to a woman, even though that's a lot of what they're watching in porn, but it's I want somebody who enjoys this as much as I do. And unfortunately, they turn to porn for that, and I think they get a bad education about women and sex drive. Yeah, absolutely. I also think, too, like, men want to be desired, too. Right. Right? Like, that is part of that relational piece of, like, we want to want each other. Mm-hmm. And we want to want each other sexually. And so if it's one-sided where the guy is desiring and the woman is desirable, like, he doesn't get that. He doesn't get that back. Right. That right. That is a uh, insert prints here. Mm-hmm. And I think it just makes them feel like, again, some of the messages they get, like boys will be boys, right? Mm-hmm. Boys have this sex drive and we just kind of have to deal with it. And I think that's a harmful message for men. And I think that's a harmful message for women to think about male sex drive that way. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's a lot that comes out of that. And that's probably like it's a whole nother episode of talking about like the cultural constructs of how do we get so toxic in our sexuality in the first Mm -hmm. place. But there is a lot of like sex is supposed to be about relationships. Mm Mm-hmm. Right, like it's at its core an extremely vulnerable act between two people, mm-hmm. and and I'll often add to when I'm talking about this, I'll say you're creating something in that moment, and creative processes require something from us, mm-hmm. right? We it, in order to create with another person, we have to collaborate, we have to really show up, we have to invest who we are in the creative process. And I don't mean to say that as though then it sounds like sex is heavy or a lot of work because I think that creative process is often fun and it's exciting and people come alive when they are creating. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. As a creative, like I think it, it is more of a stress-reducing thing right. if you're doing creativity correctly mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. it's more about that space of growing and changing and developing and seeing what we can do and seeing what we can be mm-hmm. and I don't know that a whole lot of our clients experience stress-free sex right right like it's very intimidating mm-hmm. it's very uh confusing and overwhelming and has a lot of tension and anger and pressure mm-hmm. and I don't know that that's ever what it was meant to be right well and and we get clients in too just because we you know we advertise we market on our website about sex addiction and partner betrayal trauma and all that kind of stuff but we also get clients in who are saying we haven't had sex in a really long time Mm -hmm. and that's something we need to work on and you know maybe they've gone to other marital therapists but that issue didn't really get touched or resolved in a way that they could reclaim the sexuality between the two of them So we also get, you know, some of that like sexual anorexic Mm -hmm. piece coming in where people have just because of the tension or because of the discomfort or the awkwardness, they just stop doing it. Mm -hmm. Well, again, we are relational beings. Mm -hmm. We are born to be relational. And from the time that we are born, our society and our like the the grown-ups so to speak, are hopefully teaching us mm-hmm. how to function in society, right? Like, 
when I was growing up, because I am from the Southeast United States, like I was taught, yes, ma'am, no, Mm ma'am. I was taught how to say sir and ma'am and thank you. Like those were social graces. That's how you interacted with Mm -hmm. people. Mm -hmm. We don't do that with sex. No. Right? Like we don't have conversations about this is what it looks like to engage this. Right. Or look at that. And I would say that like, that's a really difficult conversation to have. Like, it's hard to be that vulnerable and say, like, I don't know how to talk about sex. Uh-huh. And it's hard to be that vulnerable and say, like, okay, sex is really messy. Mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't have a, a pattern that we just follow. It's going to be very individualistic. Mm-hmm. And there's going to be mistakes. And you might hurt each other. Right. You might have some bruises or some bumps. And we might have to come back and be like, okay, that didn't work. Uh or like, I don't know how to initiate, right? That's what I hear from women a lot. I don't know how to initiate Mm -hmm. because I'm scared that he's not going to like it. Or if I put my sexual fantasies on the table, like, is that going to be harmful or damaging to my partner? Mm -hmm. And really it is about that conversation. Right. Right. We have a lot of sexual fantasies and, and some of, that is really positive and can be really relational. Mm-hmm. But when we, when it becomes a part of ourselves that we have to hide, that we have to keep from our partners, like it then grows into something completely different. Right. And those are hard and messy conversations. Well, and, and I often will say when I'm talking with, you know, individuals or couples who are coming in for therapy, when we're at, when we're at this point of do, doing this work, which I would say this is kind of some advanced work, mm-hmm. we might hit on it briefly earlier in the therapy process, but really this has come some like putting it all together and picking up the pieces that we had to take out and look at and now how do they fit back into this this relationship or your life. And one of the things that I will often talk about is this relationship between um, in sexuality between novelty and certainty. And I think, you know, for, for people who are single and they're in the dating process, um, one of the things that I hear from them is there's too much uncertainty and it's all new. There's too much novelty, right? And not enough certainty. And so I don't know if I'm going to like this person. I don't know what this is going to look like. I don't. And, and sometimes that shuts them down and they'll just take themselves out of the dating scene. And on the other hand, Sometimes with marriage couples, they have way too much certainty and they've lost the novelty, mm-hmm. right? They've lost the newness and the novelty um, that really kind of leads into some passion. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a delicate balance between those two. And one of the things that I will say to them is, you know, you can create some novelty through uh, lingerie or toys or positions. And it's not that I'm against that. Like, fine, go ahead and do that. But you're going to reach the end of those options, right? Like, lingerie eventually all kind of looks the same. Or, you know, there's certain variations of it, and then we're kind of like, okay. And, again, sexual positions, like, there may be quite a few of them, but the human body can only do so much. And so we're going to reach the edge of that universe of novelty, And if we don't kind of keep creating who we are as an individual, Mm -hmm. then when the novelty runs out, we may go outside of the relationship. 
uh, I mean, this is one of the things porn does is it's constantly trying to create new things for people to watch to kind of hit that novelty thing. And so if we're not creating ourselves, which I, I will say to them, like, I mean, you're 35 years old. Next year, you're going to be 36. You've never been 36 before. So you have this opportunity to evolve yourself, not drastically usually, but evolve yourself. And, and sometimes we get lazy as we get older, right? Like we might not be learning new things. We might not be thinking about new things. We may not be trying new things. And all of a sudden kind of that novelty or newness falls out and there's not much new about me to see. Mm -hmm. And so it's up to each individual to kind of be looking at themselves and evolving themselves so that there is some newness continually throughout their life, right? Yeah. I mean, like I tell clients this all the time and and I I love this analogy because I think it shows up in our world in so many ways, but like if you aren't growing and changing and developing, you're dying. Right. Right? Like if trees stop digging roots deeper, if it stops growing rounder, if it stops growing higher, it's dying. Mm-hmm. It's dead. Right. Like that that's how plants work. Mhm. The same with animals. Like, we know that if they, you know, start to, like, lay down more and sleep more or finding a place to to hide, they're dying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When they've hit this space of, and, you know, there are animals that hibernate and things like that. And I totally believe in human beings taking rest periods, too. Right. But those have seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and those are intentional. And those and, are intentional. Yeah. And sometimes we need that in our sexual health. Like sometimes we need to take a pause mm-hmm. to figure out who we are or where we're going. But ultimately, like we have to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Because if an animal sleeps forever, it will die. Right. If an animal goes into hibernation and never comes out, it will die. Mm-hmm. So if you're not growing, if you're not pushing your boundaries, whatever those are, you're dying, whether it's Mm -hmm. emotionally dying, whether it's physically dying, you know, like if we're not learning something new, our brain will literally start to prune those synapses Mm -hmm. because it's not using it anymore. And what's cool about that is that tells us that the human body, that the human emotions, that human sexuality is supposed to be expansive. Mm -hmm. It's not supposed to be rigid. It's not supposed to be this is the box that we live in. Right. And sexuality for me in in my practice and in in my life is a reflection of who we are emotionally, who we are physically, who we are spiritually. So if those things are growing and developing and we're able to shift that into our sexuality, that becomes something beautiful Mm -hmm. and new and vibrant. Mm -hmm. And I would say... You recently did a, just a little video blurb. Um, I'm not sure if it's up on our website yet. If not, it will be soon. Kind of talking about this subject and talking about how plants can get root bound, mm-hmm. uh, which is not healthy for them, right? And, and it uh, cuts off their ability to continue to grow because they're kind of stuck in a space that they've outgrown or mm-hmm. doesn't fit them anymore. And I think that's a great analogy to get people starting to think like, what box are you living in and how long have you been there and is it if it's still fitting you why right because if we're evolving and we're growing um, we should be 
expanding ourselves, mm-hmm. not just kind of comfortably staying in one place and saying, I'm good forever, right? And and so I think having that analogy and talking about like, yes, there are parts of us and knowing who we are that I think is like your analogy with trees, kind of sinking those roots deep. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a one and done process, right? That we get to this place of like, I know who I am, I like who I am, and I'm finished. I think we still are evolving human beings, hopefully. And so our roots are going to continue to sink deeper and deeper and need additional space, just like with trees and plants. And yet the expressions are maybe the leaves, right? How well the tree is doing, the health of the tree is reflected in the leaves of the tree. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at ourselves and saying, if I, if I know myself and my roots are pretty deep, what do the different branches look like in expressing that? What does it look like sexually? What does it look like emotionally? What does it look like socially? And probably there's going to be some continuity between all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hope so, right? Especially, again, using the tree analogy because we can. <laughs> Like, we recently had a tree that we had to cut down because half of it was dead. Mm. And the other half was growing really, really well, but half of it was dead. And when you get a tree that's lopsided like that, it's more likely to cause a lot of damage Mm -hmm. because it's more likely to fall or split. And so we had to cut down the whole tree. And that can happen, too. Like, if we're really overdeveloped in one area or... Maybe not even overdeveloped, but if we're underdeveloped in one area mm-hmm. and the rest of our life is going to struggle too. Mm-hmm. Because if we have this, like we can say like, well, we have this one piece, but just like with trees, like if you have one half of the tree or one really big shoot off, that's not healthy, mm-hmm. like you might be able to prune that and like restructure it. But sometimes it gets so bad you have to take out the whole thing. Right. And and I'm not saying we should take out all the whole person. But what I am saying is, like, we have to address that early. Uh-huh. We have to be willing to say, like, uh, that doesn't look so good. Mm-hmm. And not just ignore it and be like, well, the rest of this over here looks great. Right. And, and I think that we do that a lot with sexuality. Yeah. And I think it can be really hard to know, like, how do we move forward with sexuality? Mm-hmm. It is messy. Yeah. We like rules. Like we like a lot of structure. We like people to tell us what to do mm-hmm. as people. But that also hampers the creative process. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think, you know, I mean, you mentioned kind of overdeveloped. I mean, I, I think for the addicts coming in, whether they're male mm-hmm. or female, there is a part of them that got overdeveloped. That mm-hmm. sexual part got overdeveloped for I mean, we have to look at those reasons why often with female sex addiction, there is sexual trauma. Yes. Um, With males, maybe sexual trauma, maybe other types of trauma. But we're looking at why did this get so overemphasized and overdeveloped, but without the root system, right? Mm -hmm. There's not really a foundation of who this person is and knowing of the self. And Mm -hmm. so we kind of have to like get them to figure out and kind of know and get comfortable with who they are and expressing that in a multitude of ways. And that that can help to balance out the sexuality piece, mm-hmm. right? Because sexuality is an important piece of us, but when it becomes the most important piece of us, it's typically 
not going to play well with the other parts of who we are. Right. Well, and I think one of my kind of favorite parts of this is when I have a client coming in and they're saying like, how many times a week is healthy? Mm -hmm. Or, you know, is it healthy to do this? Right. Like my first response is for who? Right. Right. Like, I don't know. Cause I'm not you. Mm -hmm. And so we have to kind of dig deeper into and kind of go into the root system of why is the number important? Mm -hmm. Why is the position important? Why is, why is this showing up for you? What does that look like? And a lot of times there is a lot of vulnerability. There is a lot of wounding. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned that for female sex addicts, there's a lot of sexual abuse. And I think that in general, our culture is sexually neglectful. Yeah. And we know... While at the same time being hyper-focused on sexuality. Right. You know, it's... It's kind of funny to me, like, I, because I grew up, I was the generation that first, like, got all of the tobacco warnings on everything. So, like, when I was a kid, like, Joe Cool was a thing, you know, and they were Mm -hmm. making, like, cartoons for the cigarettes. And then all of a sudden, it was like, that wasn't allowed. That was Mm -hmm. banned. Right. And there was all these, like, tobacco-free commercials that would come on every, you know, everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think we've kind of done that with sex, right? Like, we've made it really appealing, but we don't really tell you how to use it or what to mm-hmm. use it with or, you know, how it's dangerous right. potentially or how it's good. And so it kind of became like this, like, just don't do it mm-hmm. or just do it this way. Right. Instead of us really saying like, okay, wait, let, let's, let's take a look at this mm-hmm. and like, and talk about it. And, and why, like, we're all sexual beings so why don't we talk about it? Mm-hmm. Right. And I, you know, I've taught various like teens, uh, mostly female teens about sexuality. And one of the beliefs that I have, and it's never changed with ever, what, whatever group of teenage girls I'm talking to, I truly believe they are hungry to have conversations with older women who have figured out sexuality. Mm-hmm. And they want to ask questions and they want to know. And if we can't have those conversations with them, they will go to Google. Mm-hmm. And what they type into that search engine bar can be scary, right? And, I mean, you and I were at symposium several years ago when Gail Dines was the keynote yeah. speaker. And she talked a lot about how young women are also learning how to be desirable from porn. Uh-huh. Right, They may not be going to porn for their own sexual pleasure the way the teenage boys are or young boys are. But they're going and but they're saying... they are more and more, Yes, too. yes, and they are the more other and more, too. To but they're also going to figure out, how do I attract the boys? How do I be mm-hmm. desirable? What is necessary for me to do to be accepted sexually? And that can be pretty dangerous. I mean, you've taught, like, online classes with your friend down in Alabama at her university. Yeah. Um, just about that issue and talking with college-aged females about, like certain types of sex that really aren't healthy for female bodies. Right. But they're all over porn, and they think, I have to do that. Right. Uh, Well, and even that, like, I think that there's such a skewed line for that. And especially for, like, me, like, when you're talking to young females, or when I'm talking to young females, I guess, it's always amazing to me, like, the misinformation that they Mm -hmm. get. Mm -hmm. Just, like... 
that's not accurate. That's not right. And I going back to kind of what Gil Dine said, like that whole presentation, I think was amazing. Mm-hmm. But one of the things that she said, and I loved it. And as someone who is super pro sexual health, I think it was very powerful. And she said, like, you should be angry that the capitalist sex industries are hijacking your arousal template. Right. They're telling you what to desire and how to desire it and why. Mm -hmm. And yeah, like I think that we should be angry about that. Right. And instead of letting it develop from within. Yeah. And again, sometimes it's hard to let it develop from within because we're not, we're neglecting sexuality as a society. But I think in therapy, that's one of the things that we're looking at and saying, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know all the messages. I live in the world that you live in. But is that yours? Mm -hmm. Or was that hijacked and just handed to you? And because you didn't have something else, you picked it up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And like, I just, I love that concept, especially when we're talking about, again, because I am a creative and I love art and I love just everything that comes with creativity. And one of the things that I think is so profound in that is like, if you look at that in terms of art, like Andy Warhol did that. Mm. Andy Warhol took something that is supposed to be beautiful and precious and kind of creative. And he capitalized on capitalist society. And Mm -hmm. in some ways he was mocking Right. capitalist society and kind of saying like anything can be art and you know we got the Campbell soup cans and mm-hmm. things like that but very little of that was actually Andy Warhol's own creative expression mm. and I kind of think that that's what porn and sex industries have done with sex mm-hmm. it's not really their creative expression either. right right it's marketed and it sells right and it's profitable and which is very different than you know a lot of artists who put their heart and souls into their artwork and their paintings a lot of times they're not worried about selling right van gogh is one of the greatest artists to ever exist and he only sold one painting right in his lifetime but his own self-expression changed our world Mm mm-hmm and that I think that that's what sex does. Good, healthy sex changes an individual's world. Mm-hmm. It helps us be expansive. It helps us be creative. And, like, I work with a lot of people who are like, I'm not creative. I'm not an artist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm an accountant or I'm, right. you know, like... An engineer. An engineer. Like, there's some ri- rules and rigidity to that. But there's also a lot of beauty to that, mm-hmm. right? Like, there's just a lot of really cool things that happen with physics. Right. There's just a lot of really cool things that happen in that structure. And there are some really beautiful things that happen when we are willing to even express creatively Mm -hmm. and understand, like, that's how we express creatively. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, engineers and architects and accountants, like, there is an art to that as much as there is a science. And I had to figure that out for myself, too, because I used to think I'm not very creative. Like, I don't sing. I don't draw I have a hard time doodling I you know can paint walls and things but I'm not a painter and I had to learn to appreciate just because my creativity maybe wasn't the most obvious that didn't mean that I wasn't a creative person Mm -hmm. and 
I had to dig a little bit deeper to find the ways that I create and what that means for me or where that comes from within Mm -hmm. me. But I think you're right. Like everybody, all human beings are creative. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that the fact that all human beings are sexual Mm -hmm. on some capacity, right? Right. Like there's variations of that, but there are variations of that. Mm -hmm. Just like there are variations on types of creativity, on types of artists, on types of architects, on types Mm -hmm. of intellectuals. As varied as there are people, so is sexuality. Mm -hmm. And and oftentimes I think, I mean, we're we're being good and we're like keeping this pretty non-explicit by not using the words, but both Rachel and I in sessions use the words. Yes. But sometimes I will say, you know, when we're talking about what sex looks like and, and how a person engages in sexuality, sometimes I will ask, like, why is another person necessary in how you're approaching sexuality? Mm-hmm. Like, that doesn't sound to me like another person is necessary. Right. And often they'll kind of stop and look at me like, I don't even know what you're saying. What are you saying? What are you telling are me? You right? <laughs> and, and I have to kind of explain, like, Again, you're not necessarily being creative, you know, and and maybe you're having an orgasm and that's what you're desiring, but sex simply for the sake of arriving at orgasm really isn't the best kind of sex. No. And if that's the most you can do, you're selling yourself short and you're really missing out on what it could be, especially when you involve another person who is able to show up as a person. Right. And not just be kind of submissive to you or follow your lead, but actually now we have two people kind of doing this sexual dance with each other and creating something. Mm-hmm. And even in that, like when you said like we aren't using words, I think we are being <laughs> really good on this podcast. But one of the things that, you know, stands out for me too is like sexuality isn't just about sex. Right. How we present ourselves to the world how like we identify as male or female or non-binary or Mm -hmm. whatever that is like that is part of sexual expression Mm -hmm. what we watch on tv how we engage in hobbies how we address the world is tied to our sexuality because we are sexual beings Mm -hmm. we don't just leave that at home when we walk out the door, it doesn't just stay in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So there's so much of our expression of who we are that is tied to our sexuality. And that is very individualized mm-hmm. before we even add another partner to it. Yeah. Well, and I think going along with that, a lot of times clients are surprised when we start talking about like sex, your, your sexual development did not start at puberty. Right. Because they're kind of like, it didn't. And it's like, well, no, I mean, it came on board in a big way at that point. Mm -hmm. But the messages and the beliefs and your approach to sexuality starts way younger and really isn't sexual in Mm -hmm. nature. Yeah. I mean, you know, I look at just, like, I love watching kids. Because I think Mm. that kids are just fun and they haven't been ruined by media (laughs) yet. Um, Most of them haven't anyway. But, like... You know, you like you watch kids and they're already developing individual self-expression. Mm-hmm. Like, and some of that is tied to the rules and the responses that we give on whether or not they're male or female or, mm-hmm. or what that is. But in and of 
itself, there is their own personality kind of developing in them. Mm-hmm. And that matters. That right. shows up in a big way. And our personalities should show up in our sex. Mm-hmm. Our The things that we love to do that are kind of uninhibited and unattached to mm-hmm. rules and social regulations should show up in sex. Well, and I, I've talked particularly with women because I think men are more socialized to allow their strong, confident self to show up in sexuality. Yeah. And women are a little bit more hesitant to do that. I remember years ago I was working with um, a client who was a marathon runner. And I've never run a marathon, and I really don't have a desire to run a marathon. (laughs) But I have worked with a lot of people who run marathons. Um, And so I kind of know their language, and I can talk their talk, right, without having to run that run. And one of the things I was asking her, I was like, so after a marathon, when you finish that, like I get that like later in the day, like, you're exhausted and it kind of takes days for you to kind of recuperate and get your body back to where you can like go to work or whatever. Right. But I'm like, when you finish a marathon, like what is that feeling? And she was describing this, like, I feel amazing and Mm -hmm. I feel like I conquered and I'm, and she's coming alive talking about this feeling, like when you cross that finish line. And I said, and how does that show up in your sexual relationships? And she was just like, um, it doesn't. And I was like, why? Like, why don't, maybe not every time, maybe you don't want that strong, like, I'm amazing, I conquered, and I can conquer you. Maybe you don't want that in every sexual encounter, but it's never come out, and you run a lot of marathons. Like, what's that about? You know, you're not really fully showing up in your sexual relationships if that important part of you has never made a debut in the sexual scene. Right. Well, and I think that like the flip side of that for men too, like we were talking about men don't always want to initiate. They don't Mm -hmm. always want to be like the conqueror or to feel like the powerful one Mm -hmm. or like all of that. Like when, when I talk to men, like they want their emotional side to come out. Mm-hmm. They, they want to be able to be soft. Right. And be gentle. They may not know how to do that. And that's things that we work on in the process of therapy. But when we talk to them, even if they'll say, I don't know how to do that. Right. They talk about like, I do want that. Right. Well, and I think the, the piece of that and ultimately like probably the biggest piece of healthy sexuality for me is people are extremely multifaceted mm-hmm. we are extremely complex there's not a you know a plus b equals c with people like we have a lot that goes mm-hmm. into who we are and who we become and why we become what we become and that's true in our sexuality like if if a male can sit and be kind and be soft with his children he can sit and be kind and be soft in sexuality, mm-hmm. right? Like that can show up there. Right. But a lot of times our society doesn't give space for that mm-hmm. or men feel shame about that. Right. And, or they don't know how to even present that, mm-hmm. right? Like Brene Brown's research, I can't remember which book it is, but she's talking about the fact that um, when it comes to shame and vulnerability research, like men will approach her and be like, women don't want this. It's in Daring Greatly. Daring yeah. Greatly, yeah. And... 
I kind of and and that kind of set her back, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. that that that's a whole. In fact, it opened up a whole side of her research right. that she wasn't even willing to do until that mm-hmm. point. And I think there is like when we socialize men, we kind of socialize them to take the sexual front and to be that strong, conquering mm-hmm. person. But they don't always want that. And mm-hmm. women don't always want to be the soft damsel in distress right. that has to be rescued. Like, sometimes they want to be the warrior. Sometimes mm-hmm. they want to conquer. Sometimes they want to step into that role. Mm-hmm. And if we have space to grow and change and develop that, like, we can safely start to try that on with ourselves. Mm-hmm. We can start to safely try that on with our partners. But we have to get to a place where that is safe. And I think that, like, you, this is kind of advanced therapy stuff. Like, we right. do this advanced, but, like, we start talking to our clients yes. when they come in the door right. about, like, this is where we will eventually need to go. Uh-huh. Because so much of this is underneath whatever sexual problem they're coming in with. Right. All of this stuff is underneath that. And if we don't let them know that up front, like, this is the journey we're going to be taking. And it's going to include all of these different pieces I don't think clients would stay as long as they do in therapy. Right. They'd get sober and stop or they would, like, whatever happens there, right? Our clients tend to stay with us for a pretty lengthy period of time because they want to finish yeah, the work and be able to then go out and kind of keep going on their journey. Right. Well, and, like, I think that one of the things, and this is something that, like, I think I've, I kind of push for and struggle with in my own life is... I don't ever want my client to feel like they've graduated and they're done. Right. Right. Like if they leave me or if they, you know, if they're in a good place to go out Mm -hmm. on their own, that's Mm -hmm. great. But like, I just don't believe in a, like, here's your certificate. You're healthy. Right. Right. Like part of being healthy. Check that box. Right. You're, You're done. You know, and if we look at things that really hold have come into light as holding a lot of like spiritual meaning or restorative meditation practices or whatever their practices, right? Mm -hmm. Like yoga is a practice, right? Meditation is a practice. Sex is a practice. Mm -hmm. And if you look at cultures that kind of embrace sexuality, which we don't have a whole lot of those currently Mm -hmm. that haven't been hijacked in some way. Right. But There is this, like, we practice, like, we don't ever arrive at healthy. Like, we're constantly growing. We're constantly, like, picking things up and putting things down and Mm -hmm. shifting. And, you know, different ages and different periods of our lives require different things. Mm -hmm. And my hope and goal for my clients is that we go from being, like, root-bound potted plants to, like, hey, there's this big field with a lot of space to grow and you get to choose how you use that. Mm -hmm. I think so too. I I think it can be, I I mean, I find when clients get to this level of work, they're excited Mm -hmm. and they feel, feel like all the work they've done previously finally is starting to pay off and they're having the sex that they want to and they're having the relationships that they want to and internally they're feeling the way that they wanted to. And this is such an important piece of the work that oftentimes I think gets covered up or as CSATs, we kind of get a bad rap for being yeah. sex negative or, you know, sometimes it gets covered up by just focusing on sobriety or something like that. 
And, and there's so much more to it. And when people can find their balance with sexuality as well, I think they step into their being in a different way. Yes. And it's a way that does not um, limit them and it, it doesn't, they don't outgrow it. Mm-hmm. So I think there's a couple of episodes. I mean, we've talked about doing a podcast specifically on like sexual beliefs and religion. Yes. And I think that's one that we want to talk about. And what else did you mention earlier? Uh, um, well, we talked about female sex addicts. Oh, like yes, I think female that, sex addicts. Because that in and of itself is a like whole episode. Right. And and I think some of that with female sex addiction, we'll be talking about purity culture. Yeah. Um, and so those things kind of have an interesting relationship with each other, the purity culture and female sex addiction. And if, as a listener, if there's questions you have or um, something specific that you would like Rachel and I to address in an episode, please email or you can comment on the um, podcast and let me know. I Those go to my email as well so that we can be sure and cover that. Oh, yes, because I love questions. Yes, right? I think that that's the fun part of, of answering, like being a therapist is answering sexual health questions. Yes. Because like we can talk about the stuff that we want to talk about, mm-hmm. but sometimes you have very specific, like, okay, that makes sense, but what about this? Right. And I think that those questions need to be answered. And honestly, what better place to get it right answered than here? Yeah. At the end of this episode, I want to remind you that your story matters. Remember there's something meaningful in every chapter. Don't wait to share your story until it's finished. Until next time, Jackie. The Legal Stuff. This podcast is solely for the purpose of information and entertainment and does not constitute therapy, nor should it replace competent professional help. The Prayer of the Perfectionist. Nobody has time for perfection. We are pursuing progress. Help me to remember the only step I need to focus on is the next right step for me. Help me to remember that life is a journey. Help me to be able to separate all that I am learning from all that I have to do. Help me to remember that I am not alone. I can ask for help. Help me to strive for frequent awakenings, not mastery. I am enough. Amen.